was he supposed to be Hispanic? And like, was that, was that our representation in this movie? I just don't <laughs> understand why they did that. It was a little weird. Let me tell you what it is. Basura. Greetings and salutations and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. You're going to sit in your room and soak like a little bitch or you're going to get nasty with us. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack, a total joke, a waste of time, or a slash. Totally killer. Pun intended. We believe horror is for everyone, and as such, we're rating these movies with the perspective we've gained from our varying walks of life and the flavors of fear we fancy most. My name is Chris, I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week I'm joined by the super fly space guy, Mac. Fuck that Michael Bay wannabe motherfucker. The classic horror connoisseur, Sean. It's game time, motherfuckers. And the paranormal paramour, Binks. Oh my god, I want to kiss you, but I don't want to mess up my lip gloss. This week we're checking out a horror comedy that features a board game with supernatural stakes. Before we roll the dice, though, we have some follow-up. Let's follow up on a movie. And that movie is The Taking of Deborah Logan from 2014. Now apparently, the poll shows that 100% of you thought this was a slash. That's wild. A hundred percent. I mean, it's a pretty intense movie, so. It is, it is. But like, wait, how many, have there been a lot of hundred percents on these follow-ups? There haven't been a lot. It's very limited, but there are some universals in hacks or slashes. Okay. Now you left us some comments as well. Tara or Tara says, loved it. Moved and shocked. Wasn't expecting much. Pleasantly surprised. Good horror. It's a slash. Very simple. Simple. Loved it. Moved. Shocked. Yeah, that sounds about right. Now, Thebo13 says, if I could give this film a hash, I would. Is there a hash? If not, it's a soft hack for me. David Blaine levitates way better than Deb, and he could probably unhinge his jaw better, too. Giggity. I like I like the hash for a soft hack, and now I just want to do a sash. Ooh. <laughs> oh, that's good. It used to be a shank when it was kind of like halfway in between, because like you, 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 know, you really commit to violence without fully committing to a lot of brutality. But hash and sash sounds great. It also is reminding me of who hash though, and that's not quite great. But let me say this. One of the things that I really loved about this movie, A, the patrons played us because that movie was dramatic for both Binks and I. But I loved seeing how much conversation this movie in particular opened up in our Discord community. Particularly, we have one of our patrons, Slaws, who came through in the chat and they actually worked a lot in memory care. And then the memory care unit in their facility, and they were able to compare it to like this really claustrophobic environment and thinking about the parallels of like seeing someone's progression with dementia or with Alzheimer's specifically, and to see how that translates to real life horror. And we think about just like what they experienced with these individuals that they met. I mean, it's been a rough month for me personally since we did that episode, but I think when you can have something like this movie that perfectly blends like found footage and the spookiness and then still have those direct impacts and people can draw that from their personal experiences, I think that's pretty damn cool. No, absolutely. That's interesting. I think it's fun when we, I mean, we used to get made fun of for going too deep when it comes to movies, but I think this is an opportunity for, you know, for everybody to go a little deep when watching a movie. I was not on this episode, but I'm happy to hear that, like, we went into something where people, like, felt punched in their heart a little bit. And that's our follow-up. Well, this week's 80-minute film is less of a punch in the gut and really just introduces us to a world where a mere drinking game can bear consequences that linger long after the credits roll. We have a little bit of a lighter direction to go this week. This film follows the reunion of a friend group separated by marriages, career changes, and secrets. 
As they reconnect and reminisce about times past, they decide to indulge in a familiar ritual, a toast to the good old days and an evening of games. Their decision to play, though, becomes a catalyst for events which go beyond the realms of the natural and expected. This week, we're talking about Gatlop. Who's seen this one before? So I actually have never seen this one before, but I was scouting some horror films for the show and I came across this one and thought it looked like it could be a fun movie to watch. Yeah, I had never heard of this movie before, but I noticed when you had brought it up that Emmy Raver Lampman was on the poster and I was like, my girl from Umbrella Academy? Okay, bought in. I'm ready for it. I also had never heard of it. And before we, you know, got to whole watching mode down, before we were, we were like ready to actually watch and get our notes written down, I just, I pulled up, you know, I pulled up a, a, like an image and I was like, I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be into this really. The title is weird. It's kind of short. It seems like a straight to video on demand kind of situation. I don't think I'm really going to be into that. And then thankfully I watched the trailer. Hmm. I'm curious to see how your, Perspective was changed or confirmed based on watching the trailer. I hadn't heard of this until Sean was doing his scouting and brought this up as we sat at a coffee shop doing some research on some things. But I think going into this, looking at the artwork for the film, knowing it was a horror comedy, for some inexplicable reason, I was thinking of a mix of two things. One, bodies, 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 but not serious. Like, you know, A24 has this like, that's a very campy movie. It's a comedy but it also is like a little bit more than that. There's like some commentary. It's like very intentional. I thought this would be much more goofy and less of a message. But for some reason, I thought about that. And then not what we do in the shadows, but a spinoff of that show called Wellington Paranormal. I cannot explain why the fuck that vibe in particular is what jumped out at me. But I went into this, you know, after we saw the boogeyman together, Sean, and I was expecting a lighthearted time. I was expecting some kicks and giggles. I thought it was going to be a fun time. Yeah, well, that's probably my fault. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like what I was expecting just based on reading the synopsis and also watching the trailer, it really felt like it was going to be an adult Jumanji. Yeah, that's what I figured too. And I didn't see the trailer actually, but it was just an assumption based off of like the game. Because I think it says, technically the title is like Gatlop Hell of a Game. So I just figured, all right, they're playing a board game for sure. But honestly, I just expected it to be way more comedy than horror. Kind of like you said earlier, earlier mac i it gave the vibe that this is like straight to streaming type of situation so i was like ah this is just gonna be a very low budget type of thing i did like the idea of it surrounding a close-knit friendship especially since i'm extremely close to my friends and especially those that are in college i was like okay i can resonate with this it'll be maybe a little more personal to me and i can have a good time watching it yeah i gotta go back to the jumanji thing because when i looked at some stills and i saw i think just like the 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 artwork for the movie i'm thinking this just seems strange and I have no idea what's going to happen here. And then I watched the trailer and I was like, Oh, this is straight up like adult Jumanji. And the stakes are, of course, high. I'm, I'm down for this, but it also seems zany. Anytime we get to do a horror comedy that's like a good horror comedy, I am down. So I'm hoping that this is one of those while watching this trailer. I think that's a reasonable thing to hope. I think watching this movie was a very wild experience for me. Less because of the zaniness and more because of the range of things I felt while experiencing it. One, I chuckled a bit. Two, there were some visuals. I was like, oh, what are we doing? This feels off. This feels very low budget in some ways. And I don't mean low budget in terms of like 
they didn't have all the resources they needed to accomplish this movie because they certainly had plenty. But they for sure made some very specific choices given some like historical context or some flashbacks that we get in the movie where I was like, this is just bad decision making. But I went, I went from that to then laughing and really enjoying the vibe that we were getting and to then hit one moment where I started crying. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck are we doing here? Why is this very serious thing in here? But that's not to say that I didn't appreciate it because I think for a comedy, this isn't Tucker and Dale versus evil comedy. Like this isn't like just side splitting laughter the whole way through, but it really puts you through the ringer with feeling a bunch of different things. And I think that was a, a different experience for me watching a comedy. It is, it is kind of a fun movie. It is also very silly. I don't think it necessarily gets like too dark or too deep, but they like did. They tried to give characters depth so that it wouldn't just be a shallow watch. You don't necessarily need a lot of emotional investment to get through it, but they're not like, they're not going to let you get away with it. They're going to let you make most of the movie and then you're going to be like, okay, yeah, this is kind of whatever. And then you get to one point that you're talking about, Chris, that we'll talk about obviously in the spoiler, in the spoiler zone, but you get to that point and you're like, dang, you guys went there and you like want to just like punch up the depth to a 10. Yeah. And I think I actually missed a huge part of this. I felt a notable lack of horror in this horror comedy. Okay, yes, because what I didn't feel while watching this film was any real horror. Like, I agree, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of emotions. I just didn't feel really much horror at all. This one did, on the other hand, it, it was, it did feel like a fun movie to watch. Like, I thought the characters were actually relatable despite really having nothing in common with each other. Look, I, I want to say that I can see how there are a range of emotions. Maybe I'm going through something lately. The only emotion that I really kind of felt was like, this was fun, but it was like an overwhelmingly amount of what are we doing watching this movie, I guess, is to be very honest with you. <laughs> I just felt like I was having a good time, but it, I, I would think that I would be watching this movie like to maybe chat with some of my friends or like to watch it with my mom while we're cooking dinner. Not so much that it is horror related. I promise that for five minutes after watching this movie, I was scouring reviews and things to be like, is it just me? Like, did I miss the horror component to this movie? All that being said, all that aside, let's, let's give it some credit that it is a good time. I did find some things a little cringe. Like at one point they say, reggaeton in like the most like white version i have ever heard that word being said <laughs> i have to be real with you and it sent chills down my spine listen that was one of my first few notes and i thought i really hate the way this man pronounces in quotation marks reggaeton <laughs> that's literally what he says he says it like it's two separate words and that the second word of that is english reggae not like reggae tone. He loves that reggae tone. Yeah, and why? Like, what was the? Re was he supposed to be Hispanic? And like, was that was that our representation in this movie? I just don't understand why they did that. It was a little weird. Let me tell you what it is: basura. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was California. That's what it was, and that's oh, I think God. where the actual horror lies. Here is is the horror of adulthood and the horror of living in LA. 
This is like becoming these people is is the horror that you should you should feel while watching this. Sean, <laughs> Sean, please, <laughs> you're the one that would know the most. So please enlighten us. Is this is this how people talk about reggaeton over there? Like, is that the way they say it? Because I, I don't I'm know. scared. I don't know if I ever noticed that, but there, I mean, it does feel very, very Los Angeles. Oh, my Lord. Look, I, I also will say that I resonated with the camaraderie of the main characters, too. I agree. Like, there is depth to them. Right. And in such little time. The thing is that Emmy Rayburn Lampman's performance, and I will get into detail later on, but she was going to be the star of the movie for me. I expected as much. I think her character is just so phenomenal and so... When she was on screen, I think that's when I felt the most emotion. And I think that's not necessarily fair because it's just because I know her from other work, not so much because the movie's probably really good or her character is really good. Maybe I'm, I don't know. I just would like to explore my biases a little bit later in the spoiler zone and see what you guys think. I think we can definitely unpack that. I mean, I had a few disappointments in this movie, but she was one of the pleasant surprises I fully expected with the way that her character was going that I would find her unlikable, but she had so much of the range that I really, really needed to get through the rest of this movie. And I think one of the things that really did get me, and this is like the transformative experience while watching this, there's a character who I legitimately, I believe I I was typing to Nathan at the time that I was watching this movie and I was like, I want to know your thoughts on this because I for sure would punch this guy in the face if, if he was in my friend group. We would not be friends. He would just be an acquaintance who was around and like I wouldn't be able to tolerate him. I'm a stickler for rules, mind you. However, the more the movie went on, I was like, oh, you're actually really likable once you get past all the annoying outer shell. So I was really surprised that I was able to find something in each character that I did like, even though in general I found them to be largely yeah they they did go i think further into characters than i was expecting them to go which is a good thing but for me that also left me a little bit of disappointed in the gameplay like the actual board game stuff and how kind of crazy we get with that i was really expecting more really out there jumanji like elements really playing into the fact that we're playing a board game and it was you know, it was used as part of the setting, so it makes sense that they didn't. But I think that was my own, perhaps, like misconception going in that we're, like, we're going to see some wild stuff. They're going to really take it like full advantage of the fact that we're playing a board game. And it was kind of a bummer that they didn't do more wild stuff. We really, they used it to get back to the characters with every turn. And I'll agree with you on that because there's a particular bit that happens within the board game that I think was just dragged on for so long. And I feel like, that was my biggest disappointment, whereas I wish that had kind of been a little bit shorter so we could see a bit more of a variety in the gameplay, just personally. But yeah, I, I think that was like a missed opportunity to also make it a little more on the horror side. Again, like I was just so confused by why this was tagged as a horror comedy when there's de- certainly a lot more comedy and almost borderline a little bit of drama, to be real, than actual horror. But yeah, yeah. lots of drama. Is that called the dramedy? A dramedy, yeah, definitely. It's the dramedy horror. Almost a rom-com drama, actually, as well. Except not much romance, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, it's toxicity at its finest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think the characters were definitely surprising. But then when we're thinking, because I, I actually wasn't on the thought process of like getting more gameplay and that being a disappointment. But listening to what you all have to say, 
you know, maybe the lack of gameplay was because they invested so much into the characters and so much into backstory and character development. And maybe they could have pulled back a little bit on certain things to give more room for gameplay. Maybe they could have balanced that out to really satisfy, you know, both sides. I was actually surprised to find out that the writer of this film, Jim Mahoney, is also one of the stars in the film, which in my opinion doesn't always go over well but I think it, you know, I don't know. To my surprise, it kind of did. I didn't even think I realized that. Which you don't see it as often, but considering who he plays too. Well, I, it makes sense then that he was able to kind of execute his own vision behind his character. So that, because I, I think he did put a, a lot of work into it. There's a particular scene in which, and it's in the trailer, so I'm not going to spoil too much here, but like his character's told to go to hell. Right. And you imagine like, oh, they're going to get really crazy with this one. And they kind of held back a lot on that. I feel like they, they truly did that with any type of horror, like horror related scene or component. They didn't go too hard into it at all, which left this a very not scary movie whatsoever in any way. But here's the thing. It's a horror comedy. So how frightening do you expect it to be? Which I think is a fair thing, right? It's fair to go into this, not expecting to get really spooked, but I still needed some danger. You know what I mean? I, I need some stakes. And I'm not saying that this movie is completely without that, because perhaps some of the true horror is in the confrontation of things, the intensity in which friends have to communicate. There is some peril. There is some bodily harm. But I think there's a little bit of a lack of it for me to make it like a true horror comedy. It's, as an understatement. I'm sorry. But like Bubba Hotep was scarier than this movie at this point. Okay? Like I I need to dis- I need to find out what qualifies this movie for them to have thought like, let's put this as a horror. Why? Because <laughs> one incident happens and Honestly, we've seen rom-coms have more of an incident and danger than this movie. Like, I just don't understand what happened here. I even wrote in my notes that this had to have been a typo by somebody that tagged this as a horror comedy or just they were so confident that like, if we tag this as a horror comedy, maybe like it'll get a lot of, I don't know, traction or something to that effect. Because that's a bold-faced lie. I think a child could probably like, you know, you mentioned that you were seven when you watched Amityville Horror 2. Like, you probably should have seen this movie instead. It's kind of the vibe. <laughs> yeah, probably. It would be like this, and then Beetlejuice, and then Amityville Horror. Yes. It's like a nice little linear scale. The, the, the thing that really makes this horror is just all of the fake jump scares that happen throughout this film. Like, there's at least, there's at least three or so. And it's just really the, the seriousness of the music, the fake out jump scares, and like just the fact that serious shit happens to them. And then, you know, whatever, but we'll get more into it. But you know, like there isn't a lot of horror. There really is nothing to be frightened of in this movie. Yeah, the just moments that they tried to make those jump scares with the music spiking. I don't know. Maybe that was the gag. I don't know, but that's the only thing I could think of that would make this a comedy horror. And I have traditionally a love-hate relationship with comedy horrors. Some I really enjoy and some I they just don't do it for me. And that's why, first of all, completely even forgot that there were fake jump scares. So let's start there. I It, it was so un- ineffective that I clearly 
that I always get affected by jump scares more often than not just blew over my head. But this is honestly why I don't find this movie original whatsoever. This is like a mix of Jumanji, like you mentioned earlier, Mac, and a watered-down, way less serious of this show that I loved called Friends with College. I had like Peel, like from Keen Peel, and a couple other like really, really good actors in it. I highly recommend, but like a watered-down version of that one because they're basically copy-and-paste characters to some extent with a lot of themes that we see reoccurring in like friend group movies or media in general. And I guess like maybe putting them in a setting of a board game is maybe unique, but I, I don't know. I just like overall the plot seemed okay to me. And I, and like the overarching conflict seemed so repetitive. And I've seen so many different times that I was just like, eh wasn't really shocked or amazed by it, to be honest. If you want a board game movie, so a movie in which a board game is at play here with higher stakes, I think Zathura might be uh, a candidate for that. Fire movie. Dare I say Ouija? (laughs) Uh, Game Night from 2018, another one. Wow, we're throwing bangers out here. Maybe not the Ouija one. but (laughs) (laughs) But also like... Everyone, I think, who sees this trailer, who's seen Jumanji, immediately goes to Jumanji. But there are other movies out there that did board games that could affect your life permanently, depending on the outcome of the game. So it's like not a new concept whatsoever by this point. I I think what makes this one different from the other ones is that they made it very clear through the movie, as you make it into it, that this is about more than like real life stakes based on the based on the game. This is about what's going to happen to relationships based on this game. Which, granted, sure, we, we've seen this, we've felt this. I think for me personally, though, I'm not someone who watches a lot of TV outside of horror movies. I've seen quite a few movies in my day, but it's not like I'm out here watching a whole lot more outside of that. This was actually pretty fresh as a palate cleanser for me. You know what I mean? It, it went down smooth. It wasn't a true like side-splitting laughter horror comedy like tucker and dale versus evil but i think it did just enough that was different tonally to still get a little bit of credit from me yeah i'm kind of on that same vibe too i didn't even think of zathura for some reason but it really does have from an originality standpoint yes it has the backbone of these types of movies jumanji and all of that but i think they did a good job kind of making it their own with their own twist and so from that aspect it's at least a little bit fresh i didn't feel like it was just complete like copy paste in essence but it definitely it definitely took a lot of inspiration so i don't know i'm kind of on the fence with originality yeah and i'll also say this while i spoke earlier about wanting the stakes to be a little bit higher i still was pretty satisfied with the ending of this movie oh boy <laughs> this ending i think is the only sensible ending and the most satisfying ending there's one other ending they could have clearly gone with and and we're not going to spoil it here but i was hopeful they wouldn't do it because if they did it this would have been a dud but they didn't do it thank goodness the ending they went with it not only makes sense logistically in in terms of like what could happen in in the structure of this game and, and of the film but it wraps things up with several characters in a satisfying way yeah yeah Definitely. I think it was a really good wrap up, especially to explain their dynamic as characters as well. Like overall, I will say solid, solid, solid ending. Yeah, I think the ending was was really good. I, I, I felt 
rushed maybe but overall it left you feeling good like i loved what they did at the very end as well it was just a really good way to wrap everything up and and put a bow on it and if you ever have a moment of catharsis and you can have that moment while giggling or chuckling that's a good catharsis right there yeah I completely agree. I'm thinking of that moment right now. Yeah. Cause I think I, I would agree that maybe it seems a little sped up, but at the very end, it's just what a, what a lighthearted moment that I will have to give it. It was really lighthearted ending considering circumstances and how it could have gone for sure in terms of another potential ending. Well, it sounds like things may be a little bit of a mixed bag so far. So let's start making our way towards our ratings. Now, before we actually score the movie though, Sean, how would you describe? the gore score well, there really is no gore in this movie there, there's a tad bit of blood sure but this film is honestly gore less and i think there was an opportunity to get a little darker with a little bit more gore for sure i know it's a horror comedy and all but still this one is getting a very low gore score some would say there was a gore drought <laughs> and what about the animal report we are all safe and good for the animal report. Well, let's go ahead and get into our ratings and Gatlop from 2022. Was it a hack or a slash? I'm going to be quick, just like this movie was. This is a breezy, fun, lighthearted watch for the most part. It's not scary. It's barely even horror, but I enjoyed it. I need light. I need fun and I need silly sometimes. It's got the perfect runtime for such a ridiculous concept. And I feel like it gives you exactly what it should give you. It's a slash for being a nice little break from all the serious, all the dark, all the heart-wrenching, and the terrible. Easy, breezy, beautiful. So I guess I, the doom and gloom will go next, because <laughs> although I agree it is a you know lighthearted and quick watch, I just felt like it was your turn-of-the-mill comedy movie, and definitely not a horror movie whatsoever. The plot, to me, seemed just a little generic. And although the characters themselves were funny and I liked how they all worked well together, I actually did resonate with one of the characters a little bit and I could see the dynamic, right? It's just that ultimately I just didn't find it extremely original and I didn't find it to be horror whatsoever. I would watch this movie, you know, if you want to kind of escape a little bit and have a laugh, you know, and, and a palate cleanser for sure. Absolutely. But I'm going to quote Sean many moons ago when we recorded an episode for Freaky. And I think we actually, we had another movie where this was the same scenario. We're reviewing horror movies. And I just was not scared. I didn't find a lick of horror in this whatsoever. I just don't see myself like really finding anything that relates to this genre with this movie. So... I think we know where I'm going with this. It's it's a hack for me. Listen, I, I want to start off by saying that I, I completely get where you're coming from. And I said it just a few minutes ago. I, I struggle with these types of movies specifically on this podcast because I also wasn't really convinced that this was a horror movie. But... I challenged myself to think, like, if I'm watching this one on my own, I feel like it was a fun movie to watch. Like, I did enjoy most of the humor. The characters felt relatable to me. Their chemistry allowed it to feel like, kind of like a real group of friends. And I was entertained throughout the movie, so I don't know that I can allow myself to hack this movie for its lack of real horror, which I know is hilarious, and maybe that's me growing, I don't know, but... <laughs> I'm going to give this one a slash pass. You got through on this one. 
Maybe what's happened is that this podcast has just continued to feed into like my dark soul. And now yeah. <laughs> if it's not serious or like, you know, terrible and just I'm like crying and scared, <laughs> I don't like it. Because at this point, Rob is convinced that I don't understand camp much like Ryan. And I just, maybe that's what's happened to me is I don't find horror comedies slash worthy. What's going on? <laughs> Binks is out here saying, if Art the Clown is sawing a girl in half, I don't fucking want it. That's great. What has happened to me? Listen, when you and I met, you had already liked Terrifier, so you can't blame this shit on me. No, I'm blaming it on my brother. Okay, great. It's all it's all my brother's fault. This movie goes down smooth. It's not a difficult watch by any means, and while it's not the best horror comedy you've ever seen, for sure, it's light on the horror, it's skimping out a little bit. It was enough of a palate cleanser to me to really fall in line with a slash. I think for me, though, the reality is there are some things that are horror-esque in this, like the emerging truths between friends. The one thing that I fear in my life that is inevitable, the crippling march of time, the reality that some people may not always be around. There's a little bit of that in here, too. And so I think for a horror comedy that is not out here like Freaky is with a slasher paying homage to horror movies past, this finds a different way to bring up some things that if you're even moderately socially anxious, you're going to fucking cringe watching this movie and maybe you would die of secondhand embarrassment or fear. (laughs) So, hey, you know what? In an abstract way, it does enough for me. And with that, Gatlop from 2022 has earned three slashes and one hack. Now, you can find this movie streaming online now. You can check the link in our show notes to see where you can currently find it. Then join us in the second half so we can unpack this one together. We'll see you in a bit. This episode of Hacker Slash is brought to you by Scream Sip, the ultimate drinking game that combines your love for horror movies and your favorite beverages. At Scream Sip, we believe that horror movies and sipping on your favorite drink are a match made in heaven, or should we say, hell. That's why we've created a card game with a sinister twist that turns every horror movie night into an unforgettable experience. Our deck of 52 frightfully delightful cards features challenges, rules, and actions tailored to your favorite horror films. Each card presents a unique prompt like, take a sip when someone screams, or down your drink when the killer is revealed. Are you brave enough to play? Scream Sip is perfect for parties, movie marathons, or just a night in with a fellow horror enthusiast. And don't worry, we've got a designated survivor card to ensure someone stays sober enough to handle any unexpected frights. As a Hackerslash listener, you're in for a wicked deal. Use promo code HACKSIP20 at checkout to get 20% off your first Scream Sip card game. So gather your friends, pop in your favorite horror flick, and let the thrilling fun begin with Scream Sip. Because when it comes to horror movies, we believe in staying hydrated one scare at a time. back folks you are now entering the spoiler zone for gatlop which has earned three slashes and one hack now obviously this horror comedy is a little light on the gore but sean what have we to say about this uh, light violence yeah very light there are no real deaths or kills in this film i mean 
you can argue deaths, but nothing that, you know, would warrant a kill count, if you will, from a horror standpoint. You could also argue that maybe the first group of people in the apartment at the beginning, but based on what we learn, it feels like they just got sucked into the game to play for eternity. Can we talk about the figurative death of the marriage? Yes, there is that as well. And friendship. But then rekindled. But then revived, yeah. That's true. How romantic. Good thing that marriage is dead and gone and buried. That's a that's one to celebrate. True, true. That was a terrible marriage. It was never gonna work. There was also the the, the death of of a home sale, you know? We had this house on the market ready to ready to buy and Ah, ruined. Oh, death of those homeowners' dreams. <laughs> That's true. Uh huh. Yes. They really had big ambitions, and this guy just fucking pissed all over him. Now they're going to spend the next six years trying to prove to each other that he was wrong. That's motivation. That's ambition. Maybe it helped them. Maybe it helped them. Yeah. Maybe it little gave them a pep in their step in the right direction. I don't know. That's probably a load of shit, but whatever. I'm trying to give him some uh, some credit. There was a missed opportunity here for a minute when when Paul was was told to go to hell and then he went to hell and came back and never spoke about what he saw. I know, right? It would have been interesting to at least see where he went. I would have been okay with a little bit more trauma. I do appreciate that he came back a little worse for wear. A little, a little bit of soot on him. Like he had seen some things, man, and some stuff, and he wouldn't recommend it. A little tan. He also got tan. I'd like to actually motion that i would have preferred at least one friend in the friend group to die yes the arrow that did anyone else think that when that arrow hit that the stakes are up there and most likely that dude is the one that's going to get killed anyway i for sure thought someone was going to die with that and if it was going to be it was going to be him because it was his idea to start this whole shenanigans to begin with absolutely it was but then i also thought Man, he seems to be like the wholesome one who wants to keep people together, as obnoxious as I found him. I thought it was going to be one of those things where he dies and it finally brings people back together because they feel like shit about it. Correct. I agree. Which, again, we've seen that before, but it would have been at least a little more in the horror sphere. It would have made me feel a little bit sadder or something but at the same time like it sucks because i i do enjoy cliff's character a bit because he is although the one that seems like he is the jokester for sure when he took that to the thigh i was like oh boy he might be a goner poor guy when his childhood crush or whoever she was showed up and then he told her to go to hell i was curious like are the people outside of this friend sphere actually getting killed off yeah i don't know like did she actually go to hell yeah, that's a good good thought. I don't know. That's a, I didn't even think about... I forgot she got sent to hell. Holy shit. I'm leaning no. I'm leaning it's just cathartic release. I'm leaning this game is a lot of complex things, but I feel like it does a better job of playing by its own rules as opposed to like Amanda and Jigsaw, who, you know, Amanda would set up a trap and then fucking just, fuck it, I'm going to kill you anyway. I feel like Gatlop has a little bit of integrity and it wouldn't punish those who are actively playing the game. Because even then, we see that the manifestation of Alice isn't really Alice. That is true. It does give me like feelings of like a djinn being the person or the thing rather that's like running the show and being able to throw anything out there visually that would convince you. And at the end, it's all like just disappeared away. The game itself, though, the actual board game, the way it looked... The pieces moving, the colors, the text, the font, all of that was 
to me, really cool to look at and actually looks like kind of a fun game. Oh, for sure, man. And when we get the opening credits and we see the animation and the recreation of the board to retrace their steps and, and to see how this whole game gets played. Oh, I absolutely love that. There's something about the stop motion animation that reminded me specifically of the trees at the beginning of A Nightmare Before Christmas. And I don't know why the trees specifically, but it really scratched that itch. And then to get that and that beautiful transition from the opening credits to the world we're experiencing the movie in, chef's kiss. And talking about the board game a bit, when it was announced, like that scene when Cliff announces the board game and they're sitting at the dining room table, I really liked what they did with the lighting in terms of the windows behind them. Like the colors match the mood precisely to a T. Like at one point it was red because they were getting like a little nervous and just like anxious about it. Then it was blue when, especially when Troy and Sam were talking a bit about like that their dynamic or also with Paul as well. So like just all of it was so well-timed. So it's kind of like sets the tone of we're about to play this board game in a dining room table. Or usually it's like camaraderie, it's fun, it's light, but the lighting with the windows kind of sets the tone entirely to change that setting. It was good. It was really cool. They did cool stuff with those windows where they did those like really fun after effects you know, things where it's like they open the window to yell at that woman and it just fades into nothingness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was literally so like, yeah, the lighting was the biggest thing for me visually. I think it just felt unique, like the way that they used the lighting to your point, Binks. And I think you even mentioned it, Mac. But yeah, the lighting for me was one of my favorite visual elements because of just the way it made it feel almost fresh in a way. And then took the words right out of my mouth. I loved that that opening of the window and then closing. And it was like this when it's open, it's like this weird, like, blankness with, I don't know, dust particles floating in the air or something. It was so strange, but very cool. And they have, like, insane transitions. Like, because even that transition of the window is cool. But just in general, right off the bat in the beginning, it, it set the tone for, like, that whimsical comedy bit when, like, the car swoops in and then it's something else. And then it's just, like, transitions are so seamless. The editing was insane. If I could slash the editing and the lighting, all the visual effects of this movie, I, I will. And I am. That's what I'm doing right now. (laughs) I'd like to throw something out as like a potential cooler way they could have done this film. Give us Gatlop with a bunch of horror movie Easter eggs. And I don't know why I'm thinking about this. It would be less of like the friendship game and more of like, what if Gatlop was like a horror movie survival game? You know what I mean? And they open the window and it's in the further from Insidious. How dare you? You know what I mean? And then you have like this like fourth wall situation where it's like you fucking are in the further. You see these ghosts walking around and then all of a sudden you see this fucking guy open up a window like what the fuck is going on out here? (laughs) I don't know why that would feel really satisfying to me. That's a tickle right there. I like that. The transitions really, really, really were great. And I do like the effects they used. Even if they were basic in some way, they worked really well. When, when you get whisked away to, to hell, apparently, it just like that quick vanish with like smoke and stuff. And it was very smooth. The other thing I thought was smooth though, I mean, I don't know. We got to talk about it. The arrow to the leg. That moment was very smooth and we saw it. I feel like we saw it in the trailer. So it kind of ruined it a little bit for me, but it was a nice, quick thing and probably my favorite scene that whole sequence of events of like getting the arrow to leg dealing with the fact that this just happened and then having to like announce 
actually, that's not my favorite movie. Apocalypto is my favorite movie, and this is why we're here right now. That whole sequence was kind of like, that was low-key funny, because he had to admit that Apocalypto was his favorite movie. <laughs> Listen, I, I can respect the strategy of, do you know any scenes from Apocalypto? And then you're really just going for gold there. <laughs> However... When you said really smooth, I thought you were going to talk about what is actually the smoothest part of the whole fucking movie, which is the jazzercise routine. That was my absolute favorite scene. It was honestly, I think, a shining moment in the comedy to see both pairs of them figuring their way out between having to handhold and the ridiculous dance moves they came up with. I was really into that. <laughs> it was in that like place, in, in that limbo of if you push it too far, you're going to get into musical episode territory. But if you do just enough, it's awesome. And they did just enough. And it was awesome. Yeah, no, it was really, it was really perfect for sure. Th this one was super subtle, but the scene where the realtor in the beginning was standing in front of Paul's house behind her own sign and she had the exact same smile as the picture on the sign. I don't know why that one made me laugh like instantly. I'm surprised that we haven't gotten into the deep 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 trenches emotional one because i guess the, my only favorite scene and the most memorable one i guess is my queen emmy and her range manifested at in all of its glory although i agree we, and we hinted at it earlier like what a steep decline in in mood and emotions because you don't anticipate it to go there but I'm glad that it did because she already was doing so well as her character and being someone, like you said, Chris, that you would hate generally or just kind of like be frustrated with, maybe see yourself as, but maybe have some frustrations or whatnot for being that workaholic. But to see her so vulnerable, like that was insane. I was not ready for that kind of tone shift in this movie for sure. Oh my gosh. What range? What a powerhouse performance as powerhouse as you can be in a horror comedy, that shook me to my core. When they start talking about finish the sentence and we see her mom and we see her reacting, I'm like, there's no way her mom is still alive. How long ago did she die? And what did she actually say? I didn't expect it to be quite so, if I want to fucking talk to you, I'll call you. I'm busy. I thought it was going to be maybe just, I'm busy, I can't do this right now. And then her mom was going to say, oh, I was asking about, you know what I mean? Like, I thought the the goal was going to be for her to finish her mom's sentence, not for her to admit this horrible thing she said to her mom. And that was the last thing she ever said. And oh, man, like, it is eating me up inside. Like, I think about losses that I've experienced in my life and what is the last thing I said versus the last thing I didn't say. And like... That is some shit that would really stick with me, especially when you're someone who is super busy and you're not slowing down to make the time for the things that matter. Man, that it really gutted me. And I think her character ended up being my absolute favorite in the movie because of it. I just wish it wasn't at the expense of my feelings in the moment. <laughs> Which is so interesting because I guess at surface level, until you said something just now, I'm thinking like, what was the real reason to go that deep in this movie, though? Because everything else in terms of seriousness is the fact that, like, your friends have kept things from you and your relationships aren't necessarily the most healthy for you, like that kind of element, right? But then to take such a swan dive to the bottom, I don't know, I, I feel like her character and her dynamic with her mom, that whole scene, 
is like a whole other stratosphere of seriousness. But you said something just now where it's like wishing that you had said the things that you didn't. And I can maybe see how that relates to the overarching theme of their friendships, right? Say, wishing that you had said things that maybe could have made the difference. Because obviously this friend group has not been as close, probably as a result of the things that they didn't say or wish that they did. Yeah, I think that moment and what we see from her is absolutely the real horror of this movie. And maybe it was just like, I'm just in a super raw place. So like, it counts more for me now than it normally would. But even then, I think I'm just that kind of person. I think like with the things that I consider to be fearful or the things that I consider to be frightening, like existentially, you know what I mean? Like not the, not the boohoo, not the, not, not the ghosts, not the, not the slashers in a mask, but like the fuck is this going to be the situation where like you find yourself saying something to someone for the last time and then you don't even realize it's the last time. And then what was the last thing that you said? And I, I think that like is really what puts it solidly in that horror element for me despite none of the rest of the fucking movie being whore to lighten it a little bit though did anyone else think of me when she started talking about the sorority because i saw that and i was like (laughs) oh my god so she was me like i am her (laughs) her defending why she paid dues in a sorority i was like oh this is what i sound like when i talk to people and that asked me why i was in a sorority so i had a good chuckle about that one i was like oh i feel seen the second thing that i'll say look ultimately I wish that we had still gotten a little bit more of Sam being Sam, though, because about, God, what was it, like 20% of the movie, it was really Sam being in, like, Troy's body. (laughs) Like, they were swapped the whole time, and there were, like, some real deep moments that they were, like, body swapped still. So I was kind of still out of it a bit. Like, shows Emmy's range as an actress, yeah, but as a character, I was like, I can't. I can't buy into this. You're like the bit is still going on. Please let the bit die. Oh, I thought they did a good job with it, though. It is interesting, though, that like they went deep. I think with several of the characters and, and their catharsis. I think with, I mean, Sam is just obviously the deepest and probably the best acted out of all of them. Each of the characters has something they're like getting through and, and getting over. I mean, just Paul blaming everything on his ex-wife was right. so annoying to me because that's just how people are in real life, too. And you're like, come on, dude. It's, it, t- it takes two to tangle here. But I feel like Cliff never really had as big of a like catharsis as as Paul or, or Sam. No, Cliff was like binding them all together, I feel like. I mean, he definitely bared secrets, but he really was the glue for that friend group. Because he was also, again, the most wholesome. He wasn't the one who was straight up just like being cynical and betraying and being super immature. Like he, his immaturity came through in his eagerness to have fun and keep everybody yeah. happy and just ah, distracted from the pain. But the guilt that he felt and seeing what happened with Alice and Troy. Yeah. That really ate him up. But I think it showed more because you could see that even like from that flashback. You know what I mean? Like his stuff, while really serious and important, pales in comparison to what the rest of his friends do, probably because he's the most innocent of them. Yeah. And I think... Man, Cliff gave us some hilarious moments, and some of those moments were actually a lot of those fake jump scares that we're talking about. Like, I I know when they're going down the hall to check out whatever the screaming, you know, lady or the uh, 
first love girlfriend or whatever and they're forcing him to go because it's his house and he turns around with the flashlight and everyone jumps like that one it would just it just makes you giggle a little bit but the funniest one for me with cliff and what he did was at the very end or towards the very end when he opens the front door after everything is over and he freaking jumps like he just saw a ghost and everyone freaks out and he's like it's just the fucking pizza he ordered from earlier amazing Mm, let me tell you though Cliff was the one that had the chaotic energy that I absolutely disliked in the beginning of this movie. And when he says, we'll just learn and play, fuck that. No, no, no. I am a firm believer that every group needs to have a designated rule translator. Why? Because I don't want to waste time in the starting and the stopping. Like, oh, we ran into this. What does the rule book say? No, I want one person to study that shit. The rest of us can pick up from their instruction. I don't like that shit, Cliff. Read instructions. It's important. Yeah. Fun comes with instructions, really. You definitely need to. No, but for real, we can talk about Alice, I guess. I just, I feel like the movie tried to do a little bit of redeeming, or I don't know what they tried to do at the end. Again, it's the catharsis for Paul, which is necessary to have that moment of like, okay, chatting it through with her. But she is... Wow, so hateable, so quickly. Yeah, they do make her that way. But you know what? Paul realized, you know, he had to own up to his own shit in the end, which I think was was the big message there. And they realized that they just don't work for each other because she's just crazy and she just does what she wants and cheats on everybody. Yeah, Paul ditched his friends and pretended to not want to be there to please a girl that he was dating. Mm. That's, you know? Some friend. So... I, I feel like Paul is made out to be a much better person than Alice is in the movie. And, th- and it kind of bothers me because Paul is married in his mind. He, Paul's married to the concept of his wife and not his wife. Yeah. And that's like a major issue. And he has to get through and, and get over that idea. Right. Because then he can blame everything, of course, on this concept of his wife, but not his actual wife. In reality, though, I think this happens so much in other movies or TV shows. It's, it's like a meme at this point where it's, it's always that crazy ex's fault and she's always doing all the wrong things and all this or that or whatever. For sure. And obviously that's what they show us and that's what they give us here with her character. But she's just an imperfect human, just like he's an imperfect human. So I, I did kind of like that at the end where they try to humanize her a little bit, but they also still really degrade her in a way as just like a buffoon it was hard to if that was their attempt like i could see where you're going with that it was just very hard to dehumanize her because they bashed her the entire movie right and look i agree with you that it takes two to tango and ultimately paul's definitely at fault because i don't think that alice ever tried to be someone that she wasn't right off the bat she kind of like gave you who she was up front close and center like Paul, you're a clown for thinking that you were marrying somebody else and that everything was peachy and wonderful. But I don't know, man. Like you, at the same time, though, like it's very hard to kind of just overlook Alice's like clear attempts at putting these best friends and pitting them against each other, and then making Paul seem like honestly, like her little bitch like it's kind of like the vibe they gave it, it that's kind of what it gave you're make like he's just trying to have a good time with his friends which it seems like he never gets to do and 
she's just like, oh, no, I'm too tired. After I actually just tried to have sex with your best friend, I'm over this now. And now I'm going to go somewhere else. I got to go. But I actually have a rooftop party that's a lot more fun. Like, no, what? Again, that's what makes it hard for me to like her. Yeah. But I will agree with you that, Paul, that's who she is. And that's pretty evident from the jump. So, you know what? You made your bed and now you can sleep in it. Essentially. And you did. <laughs> Here's the thing. I do find her hard to like, but also that's just a person that you could not have in your life. And he made a lot of attempts to make it so difficult to exist without her. He was like, yo, I'm a bet we're going to work out so much. I'm going to make it real hard on me if we don't work out. And that's just him being a fucking clown. Yep. No, it's, it's not that her character in the, in the film is like, the best of humans and he's, he's messed up. That is definitely not the case. She is doing screwed up stuff constantly. But I, I just love the fact when we got to the very end and they were like, say her name, say her name. And he said, as it was him, I was like, thank you film for understanding yourself <laughs> and for having a character that gets to that point by the end of the film. Because if they hadn't, that would have really, really ruined things. And, and also if they had to like do this forever and ever, I think that would have really ruined things as well. Yeah. Let me tell you another thing that bothered me, though. Him frowning upon so much being at Cliff's house when Cliff was being a support system. You know, he's talking shit about Cliff the whole time. He's talking shit about the house the whole time. I get it. You only want to be here a couple weeks, Tops. But, like, hey, how about you just fucking enjoy the fact that you still have someone who you apparently have cut out of your fucking life, but who still welcomes you with open arms and wants to be there to support you? You're a piece of shit, Paul. Just saying. He should be so lucky. We're like Cliff stands. I'm ga- I'm gathering and I'm here for it. And I didn't start out that way. I really didn't like Cliff at the beginning, but here we are. Cliff was my boy from the get-go. Find you a Cliff like Cliff, I guess. But let me tell you, though, when we see a lot of these flashbacks, when we get to see a lot of who Paul is and just how many missteps he had during the course of his relationship, I've got to say the worst part of this movie for me is those flashbacks. Not because of the context they provide, but because of the visual aesthetic of it. Why the fuck did you put Vaseline on the lens? (laughs) I feel like you didn't have to do that. You did some really interesting framework, right, with the photos. And I feel like when you use the Polaroids as, like, your frame of, like, how you're introducing the characters, etc., you could have just stuck with that. You didn't need to show the whole damn thing in Vaseline. You didn't have to do it. It really was a brilliant framing device. Like, even just having that wall there to show their their times together if it had done nothing else except for exist that was that was fairly brilliant on its own i do have to say that that still my my least favorite part of the movie i think the worst part is that they spent an hour and 20 minutes villainizing one woman when in reality they could have been spending a little bit more of that time showing the imperfections of our main characters aside from the last half hour yeah i i think really the worst part really is the missed opportunity to make this film darker balance out the comedy with more of the horror like literally anyone somebody anyone could have at least died at least one person right like you said chris like that's the worst part like you just make it a little bit more like i love the comedy they had in there but throw in a little bit more horror let us see some of the darker things that fuck with them right and then you know somebody at least die well i'll tell you one thing though if there was going to be someone that was going to die i'm glad that it wasn't or I would hope that it wouldn't be Sam, because to me, she was the best part. And that's a no-brainer, obviously. I love Emmy Raver-Lampman. I think she her performance is great. I think she's great. 
And maybe it's the fact that Sam is a workaholic and was in a sorority. And so like, I feel seen a little bit, but she was honestly the, the character, or at least the, the one that had the most moments where I took the movie a little bit seriously. So a hundred percent, the best part for me. And it's an interesting thing because while she is probably the best part of the movie and her performance is so good and makes it worth a rewatch. I think it's also why I'm probably not going to rewatch it anytime soon because, ooh, it just really took, it took the wind out of my sails for a bit. Really got me back to shore at the end of it. So I wasn't just stranded out there drowning in feelings, but I'm going to walk away from that for a while. And, uh, while I may revisit it one day when I need another good palate cleanser, I need to do so in a more steady point of life. That is honestly like an understatement for sure. Just like, don't watch this movie again for a good bit. <laughs> for a good bit. Me, on the other hand, like, I actually, despite my hack, I can see myself watching this again because, like I said earlier, it's certainly a movie that I would have in the background or, like, if I was sick or needed, like, a little boost in mood or maybe even, like, to have in the background if my friends were to ha- come over and hang out at my house. Like, f- certainly, I-, I think it's a perfect movie for that, so... I see myself doing this again. I immediately after watching it had the thought of, I wish I had watched this with other people. But then upon thinking about it for a little bit longer, it's like this would be actually kind of awkward to watch with other people, especially like a group of friends. Because for a lot of it, you can just like enjoy the fact that it's a silly movie. But for the deep moments, what do you do? What do you do when you hit those in a group of people just go, oh man, (laughs) feel the feels together for a second. I I don't know. So I think it's... I don't think it's not worthy of a rewatch. I think it's probably worthy of it, especially since it's only like, you know, 80 minutes long. I just don't know the right environment to truly get the most out of it for a second time. Yeah, you see, maybe my my friend group is just like a deep group of people because we get to those deep moments and we'd probably just pause the movie and be like, all right, let's take out. We're not really strangers. Like, let's answer these questions ourselves. (laughs) So... I don't know. Maybe we're just nuts. <laughs> nah, I'm not sure. I, I, I though, I would absolutely watch this one again. I thought it was a fun movie. I think to your point, Binks, I would definitely put it on in the background. I don't know. Depends on the company, I guess. But I, I think it's enough of a fun movie for anyone to be able to watch without it getting too crazy. But yeah, I, I would definitely watch this one again. Well, at least this movie is ending its time on our show with a favorable mark. Binks may have acted, but she's willing to explore further and for now there you have it folks Gatlop in 2022 has earned three slashes in one hack we've certainly had a robust discussion here but it doesn't end here by any means we want to know what you think I'm curious if you would make it to the end of Gatlop truthfully let us know you can join in on the conversation by hanging out with us for free in our discord click the link in our show notes to sign up if you've enjoyed listening to this episode roll a six consider becoming one of our patrons visit patreon.com slash hacker slash to enjoy more of the show with early access extended episodes bonus content and live shows we'll see you next time folks and remember divorce is rough party's over you spoiled shits mm-hmm.